the Protect Your Net Podcast, live MMA chat number seven. Upcoming UFC matchups, Dominic Cruz is due, and defining a good striker in MMA. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Over there, which we're going to actually reference some of that uh, as far as the upcoming topics. So, as I asked for you to do while people pile in, please excuse my, you know, the uh, usual uh, obligatory walk and talk here as I tweet out the live link, and then we will begin as I list these topics off for you now. Uh, of course, we're going to be talking about uh, UFC matchups. More have been being announced with the tripling down as far as three events upcoming in May. You know, that's not my beat. I am far from an authority on that. Again, this is one of the most fluid situations that is the COVID-19 worldwide epidemic that does affect uh, sports, MMA, and what we talk about here. This is an MMA chat, so we will keep everything tethered to MMA, don't you worry, um, as far as that goes. But it is also kind of hard to, you know, uh, hard to ignore. Anyways, the tweet is out. You can get your questions in there and follow me over on Twitter. That's where I'm most active, at DanTomMMA. That's where you can find all my work, whether it's podcasts, YouTube channel, MMA junkie-related. Uh, of course, you've got the, uh, you know, Amazon banners on it. It's uh, very popular during these times. Thank you guys for your continued support. Not going to draw on there. All right. Topics today. <laughs> Upcoming UFC matchups. Like I said, I'm going to be referencing a roundup article, I believe, done by my dude over there, Nolan King, speaking of MMA junkie. It wasn't a Freudian slip, or maybe it was, because, again, we're going to be referencing a lot of, lot of articles over there. So you guys know where to find the website. Um, and we're also going to be talking about uh, other things, you know, just like possibly uh, a little bit of Cerrone Stephen A. I'm not going to wax on about that. Um, a Tony Ferguson analogy that I was thinking of in reference to a MMA uh, Reddit uh, that I believe, I think it was an Ask Me Anything that Dana White did uh, that came out uh, yesterday. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about uh, Mike Chandler free agency, but kind of like I prompted you guys to give, you know, you can file questions anytime. In fact, this show will be going away, not, uh, you know, not permanently, just temporarily when fights resume, we're going to be getting back down to breakdown shows. Again, that's kind of my beat. That's more what I'm known for more what the protecting neck podcast is known for. Um, so those will be going down on Thursday. I'm going to try to keep this thing called a schedule. I know crazy Dan Tom, right? And, uh, those will be back next week. Uh, however, don't you, uh, fret YouTubers, um, those shows again, it's probably just going to be like a logo graphic. You're not going to have to see my ugly face, thankfully, but I will have the audio for the breakdowns again, free for every card going forward. Um, unless, you know, I figure out a better video presentation, which I'm still currently working on. Bear with me. It's in the works. Thank you. Uh, but don't you worry as well, because for those of you who not just like YouTube, you like the live interaction like this, this kind of presents, um, going to be able to get you guys that as well, because uh, I'll be doing recap shows i've done recap shows before kind of reserved them for the bigger um mma cards ufc cards right but i think we're all kind of so hungry and i definitely want to build there's no fight weeks 
obviously top five shows. And I'm also got a, a mystery science theater thing in the works as a fan of that show as a kid. I'm still working on how I want to do it, but I've got the title and everything and it'll be at least one a month. I'll be giving you guys watch along tracks for, um, a lot of different things, you know, combat sports originally, uh, obviously, uh, it's going to be combat sports theater there, but, uh, it, we're going to be doing some really fun movies that are classics that I think you guys are all going to like. So again, it's all free. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe to this channel, follow on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and on one of those questions, like I said, I prompted you, I got was someone asked me essentially, uh, I'll read their question uh, when we get to it, but they asked me what defines a good striker. They gave me an example, which I'll touch on their example, but I thought, you know what? Uh, and I asked permissions, the, the listener said it was fine. And uh, I thought I would answer that as far as for this week's weekly focus, because, you know, there's a lot of, oh, what's a good striker? What's a bad striker? Oh, MMA isn't caught up to, you know, boxing or yet or kickball or whatever. And those blanket statements can still technically be true, depending on your perspective, of course. But the chasm from how long of these statements have been being used to where our game is today is a bit different. So I'll talk a little bit about that, at least my opinion on it. Again, um, I'm no I'm no grand authority uh, on these matters, but uh, I assure you that uh, I'll speak with some substance as a. Uh, I'm not just the uh, what, what it was. What, what does Brendan Schaub say? The, the Cheeto finger licking nerds or whatever. I think if MMA media is going to get that get that rap, I think we should have like a Cheeto sponsorship. By the way, if, if we're going to continue to get that stereotype, but yeah, I uh, I know a little bit more for those not familiar with me than my what, what you may see here on camera. So don't judge a book by its cover. We'll have some fun talk coming up on that. And uh, if we got time, we'll get some weekly weekly recs and of course your questions in the chat. Uh, all right, we're going to start from the top. I don't know why I wrote here Dana White's bull F-bomb. I just thought that it was funny that Dana White has a bull and he, he called it F-bomb. That was all right. Not much to really say on that. But uh, I do want to talk about upcoming matchups. Now, the article I'm referencing is a couple days old. And and again, as a reminder, folks, this kind of applies for everything, especially with, with, with the arguing and the hot topics. And not that they aren't important, not that they aren't worth discussing or arguing about. Not saying that at all. And not coming at anybody, but I've experienced this. So something we should all keep in mind. And I'm trying to do myself. I, you know, um, you know, it was a bit emotional about things when things first came out. Uh, granted, you know, I, I've got you know health, uh, health sensitive people that I'm taking care of, health compromised people already. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm you know, a bit more uh, respectful um, to that side of the uh, argument. Obviously, uh, however, let's all just um, let's all try to keep cool. I'll try to keep cool. And, um, you know, I'm not saying don't lobby criticism or it's not fair to be lobbied. Not at all. Please continue to do that. But what I will say is, you know, as far as, you know, holding things and no one's really done it to me or anything per se. So this isn't coming from a personal thing, but I'm saying in general, um, you know, because what, what we said last week, our, our, our own opinions can change. And again, uh, even us logical people, whatever the, the definition of logical is these days. So, so let's just let, let, let you know. Let, let's just uh, levy criticisms for there. And when I talk about matchups or upcoming matchups, know that it's not being be, me being insensitive to health issues. Believe me, I got questions and concerns. I'm going to be following that very closely, albeit not my beat to report on it, albeit not my responsibility, or you know, nor again am I any type of authority. But yeah, of, of course, I want all the fighters and media. Uh, and, you know, anybody else involved, crew, uh, to be taken care of all equally as human beings should. Um, and I'll be following that very closely. Yes. So I don't mean to be insensitive when I talk about these matchups, but 
breaking down matchups is kind of my beat and matchups, regardless of what we feel about it, um, are being booked. So there's that. Um, so let's, let's, let's just uh, continue on and I'll try to keep the, uh, keep the political talk at a minimum. Um, all right. Uh, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje. Of course, we, we already know that that is the scheduled card. Henry Cejudo, Dominic Cruz. I went over my early leans, by the way. Reminder, I'll be doing a tune in again next week. Uh, follow the Protected Podcast on iTunes. And we'll be doing um, an in-depth breakdown again. That, that for, for those of you who already know, those, those shows are really fun. We cover a lot of ground. A lot of impersonations and voices make guest appearances. And a lot of fun, crazy things are said. So hopefully you guys will join me there. Um, all right. Anthony Smith versus Lover to share. This was kind of one I was waiting on because I wasn't sure to include Anthony Smith in my uh, fight forecasting uh, article. Again, I wrote UFC light heavyweight title picture thoughts here because I wanted to give uh, some shameless self-promotion to my article that just dropped today. Another fight forecast, uh, fantasy fight forecasting article. These thankfully don't look like they'll be needed that much longer as far as this exact format, because again, fights look like they're going to attempt to start the schedule back up and roll and, Right. So, um, uh, and I'm only limited to kind of a final four format, including one of those four being the champion. So you're always going to leave people out. People are going to be like, why didn't you leave this guy out? And, and that whole thing. Right. Uh, and Anthony Smith was a guy I wanted to put in there because I'm, I'm an Anthony Smith fan. And two, you know, we're talking about you got guys like Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes trying to buck up, you know, buck for immediate title rematches. But like the only guy that's won since losing to John Jones is Anthony Smith. And of course, the only fresh matchup would be Jan Blakovich, who I went with there. And you can read what my thoughts and early lean on what that fight would look like. Um, and then which left, of course, the dance partners being Dominic Reyes and Tiago Santos, which is selfishly just like a fight I would really want to see because I think it would be fun. Granted, both guys, depending on the night, um, will show more of a propensity to counter and play on the outside. So there could be a lot of feeling out. I suspect so, at least in the beginning, but I have high hopes that that match would just evolve into fireworks, uh, fun fireworks, hopefully. Um, and so you can see my thoughts on how, uh, you know, uh, I think that final four shakes up over there. Uh, continuing on with announced matchups, Ben Rothwell versus Ovin St. Pru. That just, oh, that feel, I, I, who was I talking to? Was it Zane Simon and some others? Uh, perhaps Naked Gambler. Either way, shouts to those guys. Um predicting on what kind of a mess that's going to look like. And I love big men. And how can you not uh, love yourself some uh, of the unpredictability OSP, Tennessee, Tennessee. Um, and, uh, you know, so so nothing I hate on those guys, but I just I had flashbacks to a card that Big Ben was on. You guys remember that UFC heavyweight card? It was all like heavyweights and everybody kind of gassed out uh, on the card. And it was, they had it at Denver. Like in hindsight, it was like, we should have saw this coming. Um so, yeah, it kind of gave me those flashbacks. Speaking of Ben Rothwell, how about a uh, shout-out to Kaposa out there on Twitter, who you guys should know who he is if you're subscribed to this small WikiDink channel. Uh, you should know who Kaposa is on Twitter there, uh, Grabaka Hitman. He's posting clips as per usual, but he went on an IFL rampage that more appreciated especially. And, yeah, you got some some big Ben Rothwell uh, memorable stuff there, you know, from, I think, Devin Cole to, like, Chris Joshisinski. Uh, good stuff. Shouts to him. Another heavyweight matchup for the May 16th installation of UFC Triple Threat. I don't know. That's what I'm calling it, I guess. Whatever. Uh, Walt Harris versus Alistair Overeem. Uh, rebooking, of course. Um, yeah, man, that's going to be fun. I haven't even begun, begun, uh, began to think about that. Going to go look 
uh, how Overeem has done against Southpaws. And not that any of that matters when you talk about Overeem. I mean, he can be winning a fight for five rounds and then boom, goes the dynamite. So uh, we'll see. That should be all the craziness that 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 uh, it should be advertised for. Uh, May 23rd on a TBA, we got Rafael Sunsau announced against Cody Garbrandt. Beware of the counter right hand. Let's see what Cody Gar- Garbrandt has done to adjust that because that's that's uh, w- one of the best shots that Rafael Sunsau has. He's an older bantamweight for sure, but last thing to go is your power. And uh, don't underestimate a Sunsau. There was also some fun middleweight like Southpaw versus Southpaw matchups announced. Which you know me, I always love my southpaw versus southpaw matchups, and of course, you know me, I'm not prepared to talk about them or have them in front of me. Only have a certain amount of fights pulled up. Uh, I thought I was going to have that one, that one there as well. So um, those are my thoughts as far as uh, matchups recently announced. There, brief, quick thoughts. Uh, I'll have more in-depth breakdowns, and I'll figure out how I'll do those breakdown shows. They're probably going to have to come pretty close one after the other. Uh, maybe I'll do one early. Either way, again, stay tuned to this channel as well as the Protecting Neck podcast for the in-depth stuff uh, for next week's UFC, excuse me, 249 card and everything that's going to follow it. Speaking of UFC 249, um, Dominic Cruz is going to be fighting on there, and and I'm excited to talk about that matchup stylistically, but for this, I'm going to talk about it more um, just as far as like the theme, you know, Uh, and again, I I mentioned it last week, and in no way not trying to pump my chest, but matchmaking is so all over the place that, I said, don't be surprised if Dominic Cruz got a title shot. And sure enough, he did. And maybe it's because I half serious, half heartedly said, you know, jokingly to make a point. And that point ended up being true as far as Dominic Cruz getting that title shot. Perhaps I wasn't as surprised. But now that I'm kind of seeing the fallout from it, and and I get it, it doesn't make sense. Those criticisms are all fair. Although, again, I warn everybody, are we really going to be surprised at this point? Um, those criticisms, sure, they're all fair, but as I see talk about it, it's like, I just, I, I, I see doubt on Dominic Cruz and that's, that's not abnormal. He's a guy that, you know, I, I joke, everyone's like, that's kind of a reason, you know, we're allowed to have the conversation of, you know, uh, you know, who's better, uh, you know, no, no one's better than Joe Montana or whatever old, old school name. And then you got Tom Brady that comes in and, and people will criticize basketball for that being like, they don't allow, even with greats like LeBron or Kobe, we don't allow for like the arguments to be had, which is really interesting. It's a really interesting angle for sure. Um, because, you know, Jordan's in his own league, but the point to that is whether you agree with it or not, that is kind of the fact, right? Even within the, the, the realm of basketball, no one really compares to Michael Jordan. Um, so to try to cross-section that, and I'm a, believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of cross-sectioning things that have no business being together. And you'll see more of that in the, in the uh, How Would They Do an MMA series, speaking of basketball, hint, hint. But as far as maybe like a Scottie Pippen, um, if you want to look at it again, you know, of course he's going to be one of the most underrated players. He's, he's, he's playing next to the best player of, of all time. Uh, if we did have a Scotty Pippen, maybe Dominic didn't even think that, you know, you you were criminally uh, incorrect if you put him off your top 10 list, although I had him toward the tail end of mine, if I can remember on that MMA Junkie standings. And we did an in-depth stuff uh, release on that. Shouts, shouts to Simon um, Simano for uh, for releasing the deets. That was kind of fun to let, let the audience see how it played out within our staff. Um, so I'm pretty sure I had Dominic Cruz there, but where we did the video with John Morgan in the Bourbon Bar and Goes and George, um, 
I go on my I go on my little angry uh, rant, I, angry hashtag quotes. Right, it was, it was it was all fun. I just stepped off a plane. I still had sand in my shoe. But uh, and then they handed me some bourbon. What are you gonna do? I went on a rant <laughs> about how Dominic Cruz is 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 really criminally underrated. Uh, does, does that mean Cejudo is the? Does that mean Cejudo is the greatest if he beats him? I hate that argument in the style and the spirit of debate, whether it's genuine as factual grounding as it technically does have. I hate that whole. Yes, you you beat the man, you get the title. There is a certain amount of that of transference, but let's not get fucking crazy here. If a guy steps in last minute, you know. Um, you know, shouts to my dude, Steve Jenham over there. You know, he steps in last minute. Yeah, he's technically a UFC tournament champion, but he didn't have to fight the same amount of people. We shouldn't give him the same amount of credit as maybe another winner. And hence them changing the rules for, for after the UFC three. Right. Um, so I think people should pump the brakes on that, you know, and, uh, I think it was, and, 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 you know, uh, I want to shout out Aaron Bronstetter, who I believe it was on, um, on a half the battle, Daniel Levy, uh, Daniel Levy's podcast sh- sh- shouts to shouts to those dudes. Uh, I believe Aaron was saying something like on the lines of this too, was, was just like, he, he didn't think that it, it matched up. And uh, I agreed with, uh, with Aaron, of course, uh, if you guys follow me and know, you know how I'll, I'll go up for Dominic Cruz, but let's, I have his uh, resume pulled up here. So as far as like the fighter of the decade talk, you know, he, um, he ends, he ends, he ends the decade or he starts the decade off, you know, uh, uh, beating Brian Bowles, who, you know, was the next coming, right? You know, you, you listen to guys like Frank Mir and, and, and people pumping him up Then he beats Miguel Torres, who, you know, go back to the uh, WEC history episode, me and uh, uh, Brad Taschek just did uh, for the Protecting Neck podcast, top five WEC. No issue going toward him, but it was just a great fight. I thought, again, that, that may or may not have made it on my list. Uh, Scott Jorgensen, who, you know, this was definitely Scotty Jorgensen's peak, but he definitely earned himself his way up there through some fun action fights. Uh, again, you got to put yourself back in that 2010 mindset. He beats Uriah Faber, uh, you know, the, the monkey on his back. What probably the, re- the reason why he didn't get a lot of credit during that WEC run, that and his odd style, which is still odd as I'm using air quotes today, but as we've seen, Cruz was ahead of his time. Um you know, implementing, you know, footworks, feints, making guys miss, um, forcing judges to award defense in an era that did not award defense. Again, remember 2010, I've referenced, in, you know, and, and Cruz was out there forcing judges really to score against how they typically score fights. Even now you're running the risk being a counterfighter. You're going to rely on judges that to see your counterpunching. Your more clean punches and the chaos of the flurries. I mean, even now, that's a dangerous game to play as far as MMA judging goes. Um, beats Uriah Faber in a very big fight. Demetrius Johnson in a, in a very underrated fight, really fun fight. Obviously, he had the size advantage on Demetrius Johnson, and he uses that. I mean, uh, he, we see Cruz just hitting his, his, his knee tap takedowns, a bunch of different takedowns, and just throwing his shoulder, throwing that shoulder in a DJ to kill the scramble. He really using his weight. And that was just a fun fight. But when DJ got space, he'd blow up and punch kick combos off the break. And that was just a really fun fight. Beats DJ. Um, set to continue run. Misses out on a huge payday, right? Has all these crazy injuries out for three years. Comes back and just ices Mitsugaki. Now, this is when Mitsugaki is kind of coming down from his prime. But take nothing away from Cruz. I mean, this was not how Cruz wins fights. Just blasting guys out by KO masterfully in round one 
has the odds against him coming back two years later. I believe there's another injury in between that facing TJ Dillashaw, prime TJ Dillashaw. And, and since tests another thing, you know, not trying to speculate. He tested clean for that fight folks. So, but yeah, it was a prime TJ Dillashaw. Let's just say, and I know it was a split decision. You can make an argument, but again, uh, I'm no boxing aficionado, aficionado far from it, but somebody who watched boxing first, um, I had no issue. I had no issue with with, with, with uh, scoring that for Cruz. Uh, cements it, beats Uriah Faber, UFC 199, one of the greatest cards, and of course uh, loses to Cody Garbrandt. Um, doesn't make an excuse, even though you know, uh, you know, as far as uh, injuries and health, probably wasn't there. But hey, who is? So good on Cruz. He he does a you know a, takes it like a man. Has a great post fight speech. Uh, Cody Garbrandt. You know, I guess that doesn't you know age well because Cody Garbrandt, you know, goes on and that was his last win, which is kind of crazy to think about too. He's lost what three or four in a row by knockout at this point. Um, Cody Garbrandt, yeah, three in a row by knockout. Um, so I get that, that that doesn't age well, but perhaps that's just a stylistic thing, or perhaps it was on the night. You know, Cody Garbrandt just had his had his best night, and maybe Dominic Cruz did it for that first Dillashaw fight. Like people in sports don't come back from that, much less mixed martial arts, uh, you know, it's not like millions and millions of dollars is necessarily waiting for this guy. Um, and, you know, I'm not talking about just the meaning, but then you talk about the physical demand uh, on what it about knees. I mean, whose style is harder on the knees than Dominic Cruz, you know, I, I'll wait. Um, it's, it's really tough. So I, uh, I don't know, man. I know, I know. There's, there's, there's plenty of gaps in there, but you know, you look at even like uh, Khabib's, you know, uh, kind of record through the decade. There's big gaps in the middle where he had his bad luck with injuries, and it, people didn't count it against him, nor should they uh, count that against him. Um, that was a serious run of bad luck. Remember, we almost lost Khabib. He was thinking about, hey, could you imagine? That would suck. Um, so I mean, like uh, these guys, you know we shouldn't count it against them. In fact, we should, we should reward them for overcoming that kind of adversity. And if he can do that again and recapture the Bantamweight title again, I mean, he's already the, the greatest Bantamweight in my eyes. I mean, he beat multiple generations of Bantamweights, um, you know, from Dillashaw to the Fabers, uh, Fabers to, you know, these WEC, uh, these WEC standouts, the Brian Bulls of the world early on. Um, so I don't know, man. I just like, Again, it's this whole thing, you know. It's like it's like, well, how can you like a, a nineteen, you know, sixty nine SS Chevelle? Um, cars today have better AC, they have better air. That, like that's that is the laziest argument. But it's factually correct. All right, okay, like that. That again, my least favorite uh, argument styles is you know, hanging on to a fact, which maybe we'll get to with Stephen A. Smith as far as you know. Oh, what I said was true. Well, he didn't show up, and, 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 and rather than. You know, rather than the context, the overall context, it's always really convenient when someone picks that one one angle, and they're just going to hang behind it in their argument. You ever been in that debate? And it's so annoying because their one angle it's it's technically correct, factually it's technically correct, but in no way does it represent the whole picture of argument, much less a fair picture. Boy, do I hate that argument. So it's like, oh, but but say, who knows? You know, no, he's going to get the Dominic Cruz will get the the championship three times, but. Triple C, man. He's already Triple C. Like, okay, first of all, you know, he's taking, which is Olympic gold medal's great, but that's, that's nothing to do with MMA. I don't know why we're running running with this thing. Um, And uh, Triple C, another, like, 
least favorite names, like along with Delta Champion. And not coming at either of those guys, by the way. Just saying, and don't don't like the nicknames. Um, just feel like lazy nicknames. And like again, like what did he do at, at bantamweight? Like he he he's having trouble trouble making flyweight, and he beat a what's the Hawaiian cat, Dustin Kimura. And then he doesn't come back to the division until he gets the uh, gets the title shot. Like I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just like one of those things. Like George St. Pierre is a. It, uh, I like George St. Pierre more than Robert Whitaker. I think George St. Pierre is the greatest resume of all time. I think George St. Pierre has a better career than Robert Whitaker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're going to ask me specifically whose middleweight title reign uh, means more, the guy who went 10 rounds with Romero gets much more respect than the guy that cherry picked Bisping fought and left. And again, George St. Pierre is one of my favorite fighters. Uh, that is not a knock, but again, it's just, it's a great example of perspective and of not taking in, um, you know, context. So, all right, 26 minutes. I don't want to go too much uh, too much longer, but, yeah, it's just try to remember that. I don't have – you know, remember the car debate, folks. People forget the, the car debate when we talk about pound for pound. It didn't originate in boxing. It originated in automotives. Um, we're going to compare handling. We're going we're to factor in torque. It's not just how fast you are off the line. It's not just how cool the fucking car looks. It's not just how big the brand name is, okay? Pound for pound is everything from a technical space and balancing it out in the middle. it's subjective it's stupid i agree but it's 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 the best attempt as far as having that discussion or argument even if you will um and and very few people remember that it comes from that much less exercise those things you know um because because staying with the car analogies here we we tend to go but the new edition is better like you fuckers probably don't appreciate art do you? (laughs) you don't appreciate things in time for what they were and I know I'm like an old man who's saying, get off my lawn, get me my matlock and tomato and grilled cheese sandwiches at the risk of sounding like that guy. I know I'm a little bit on that side too, but but trust me, folks, get some context in your arguments. And, you know, Cejudo may very well beat him like the odds is going to say next week. I'll talk about that matchup there, but don't discount Dominic Cruz and don't discount what Dominic Cruz has done. The guy gets, gets so... Uh, so little credit, and he's left out of a lot of discussion. Ever match boxing in terms of focus on defensive techniques, i.e. the fetishization of defense? This is a really good question, particularly because we are seeing a trend that I've spoken about, and we're seeing commentators, especially the really good ones like John Anik, who can, you know, who can give you the action, but can also provide that that hardcore context line for hardcores, or give meaningful information for those paying attention. And we're seeing. Even commentators acknowledge uh, that takedowns aren't going to win you the round. Otherwise, from 2010 era until this day, even though it scored less, which is rounding to Ben's question here, um, which is takedowns at the end of the round, right? And we're realizing that you need to score uh, damage. And again, back to the John Anik nod, he'll be good about saying, you got the takedown there, but not a lot of damage was done, you know? Uh, Or if you read my breakdowns, um, I'll try to use the word meaningful a lot. And if you see it there, it's not just because I'm trying to window dress the words and fill up article space. No, it, there's, there's a reason um, because, again, what is a meaningful takedown? It's a takedown where you've held them down, you've controlled them at the very least, and hopefully you at least did damage because you can't just hold them down anymore. The ref will either stand you up, and if the ref's not standing you up, you can't count that the judge is necessarily giving you credit. So I, I don't know how to – maybe answer as far as will we see it with striking as far as apples for apples with boxing Benny, but morphing it within the context of MMA. That's a really good question for what we are currently seeing as far as grappling. Uh, And again, 
I'm not against it at all. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I, I recently rewatched for my light heavyweight article, Reyes and Jones. And again, folks, I picked Jones to win. I scored it for him. I, even though I don't agree, I was one that could even defend and see how a judge could score a 49-46 Jones. That being said, I totally disagree with Jones saying that it was the takedowns that won him the round uh, because he didn't hold him down for any meaningful amount of time. So in that sense, you could say Reyes uh, was rewarded for his defense, but he didn't get those rounds, nor should he have gotten those rounds. So it, it's a weird argument to say, you know, it could be a loaded argument. You could be like, well, defense is his own is its own reward in the sense that Reyes defended, but he didn't win those rounds. Sure, again, that's technically true. However, if it, if Jones uh, initiated in the takedowns more in the rounds where he was getting pieced up, that more clearly went to Reyes, then we have more of a juicier argument, right? And then we have a little bit more of a juicier argument there um, as far as uh, how much credit uh, does the defense get or how much credit, in that case, did it get? Um, and Coach says, yeah, i.e. the fetish, yeah, fetishization of defense. I'm a big fan of defense, man. That's one of the things I'm not going to go. Apologies on that last dance uh, rant on the last episode. And apologies on some of the audio issues on the playback on these things. Um, I'm going to work on that. I've got some fixes. Uh, hopefully that'll that'll help when these things uh, get smoothed over. But I love that they're focusing on defense because I'm a big fan. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of defensive boxers. Like, um, like I, I always appreciate it. It's always a fun exercise to go back and watch Floyd's fights. But I'm not like the biggest Mayweather fan, right? However, in basketball, is a really big fan of defense. And I just think, again, we talked about earlier in this episode as far as um, the commonalities of different sports when we're having the Jordan talk and how the greats can be knocked off in other sports easier than perhaps basketball. Um, but one common issue that all the sports have, and I think MMA will follow suit in, maybe not so much in the, sco- in the scoring uh, like Ben's asking about, but what MMA might follow suit in is that it just defense is traditionally an underrated thing. You don't you don't get credit for it. Um, I remember playing soccer or football as the Europeans and the rest of the world call it. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I always played a, a defensive positions. That's kind of where I, I stood out. That's what I liked. I really liked thwarting plays. Like I really, you know, um, you don't get a lot of rewards. You don't get a lot of, you know, you don't get a lot of the, uh, you don't get a lot of the, uh, the glamour. That's why, you know, whether it was like hockey or like, you know, or soccer, you start asking for forward positions instead after a while. But that being said, I was still a, a defense guy. And so I'm biased. I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I think defense should be worth more. However, I completely understand that it really is ultimately its own reward, especially um, in MMA, how it's been. And even in the current state, though, the wrestling thing is something to keep an eye on. Thank you for that question. Um, the Sorian Stephen, anything, I'm not going to get too much on that, but it, it does kind of touch into a topic that I've been sprinkling in and out as we went through the chat. Thanks for joining. Is that like, first off, I hate it when like things happen in MMA that prove like the casual perspective, right? Like, uh, I always point to my buddy, uh, Jordan Killian, shout out to Jordan Killian, who was in like a Buffalo Wild Wings bar when Tito fought Bader. And there's just a bunch of like, the affliction stud wearing like douchebags, just drunk guys going, yeah, Ortiz, yeah, Bader's a, you know, Bader's an F word. And I'm not talking about F-U-C-K, right? Like it's like, you know, this was like 2010. So again, it's, all right. Anyways, just painting the picture folks. And, uh, and, 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 and Jordan's like, look at these suckers. They don't realize that he, Ortiz is about to get like his seventh loss in a row, whatever it was right. Uh, to this up and coming guy, Bader. 
And so he, uh, you know, so he says uh, he makes a bet with them or something like that. And they all start, you know, they start, start calling Jordan the F word, right? And, and stuff like that. And he's like, all right, you wait, you wait and see, you wait and see. And sure enough, right, like lightning strikes and Tito Ortiz somehow like rocks Baker and gets him in the guillotine. And uh, my poor buddy Jordan just had to suffer, just probably had stuff thrown at They don't deserve to be right, proves them right. I, I think that that's the simple way to look at this. I'm not going to get into like deep into dissecting it, uh, nor am I going to. Uh, again, back to that. Well, technically, I'm right. You said you didn't show up. And again, it's, it's it's not what you say. It's how you said it, right? And uh, I'll give another shout to, again, follow uh, Gorgeous George and Goes on uh, MMA Junkie Radio, uh, as well as their own show uh, they got going on Patreon. But uh, I was listening to MMA, Junk- MMA Junkie Radio um, today, a little bit before this. And I really side with my dude Goes. He really had a – I'd be slaughtering it if I tried to explain my take on it. I really think he had kind of had the best take on it. Um. So go listen to that. But essentially, it's just that, uh, you know, it, it's not what you say. It, it's how you say it. And another part of it is, you know, it's a really unpopular stance, but it takes away credit from Conor McGregor. I know like that guy needs any more shine or credit. But just in a general sense, you know, when you talk too much about, oh, this guy was sick or this guy was that, it's really disrespectful to the winner and what they did right. And I know McGregor's probably the last guy you want to make that argument for. Um, but you know, that's it just just out, out of principle. Uh, I would I would agree with that, though. Um, Tony Ferguson gauntlet analogy, like again, uh, with with the back to that matchmaking talk and in, in reference to Dana, uh, Dana White's uh, ask me anything. He said something along the lines that might have alluded to the fact that he's given up on Ferguson Khabib, uh, you know, one of the only fights that mean mean anything uh, in, in that division and uh, which kind of opens the door, which were many people projected or forecasted. Uh, for a possible Khabib Connor rematch, not going to get into that so much, but I'll just say, man, like, could you imagine if if Tony Ferguson beats Justin Gaethje, like with the odds even further stacked against him, even though he's still going to be the favorite, and rightfully so. You know what I mean, as far as tempting fate, much less tempting fate of the MMA gods with Tony Ferguson's win streak, which extends back to Obama's first term. Um, imagine if he beats Justin Gaethje, and then they make Connor Khabib too. Like, what does Tony do at that point? Like, I was like, I don't even know of an analogy. And then I'm like, wait, I do remember an analogy. An analogy. Um, I know it was an NES game, but I think they had it for Sega Genesis. And I wasn't a Sega Genesis head, but one of the games I always remember going over a family friend's house where I would watch all the De La Hoyas and the Tyson fights from the early '90s. And uh, this person eventually got a Sega Genesis. Thought it was the coolest fucking thing. So when the fights weren't on, I'd play Sega. And there was this game called Gauntlet. You guys remember Gauntlet? And uh, I'm probably brutalizing it, but just giving the basic gist and not too crazy of graphics. So the levels could adjust each time through. And I would end up getting to level like 80 before like I just gave up. And apparently like the NES version technically had an end. But if you were Dan Tom and were like inept and couldn't get to the end or you play the arcade version of Gauntlet, you would find out there is no end. <laughs> and I, feel like, I feel like everybody showed up to play Street Fighter 2. And Tony Ferguson thought he was playing with Street Fighter 2, but somebody like, you know, when you're trying to fool the teacher and you've got the, you know, the comic book inside the uh, science book, right? And you're like, oh, I'm studying hard. Like, I think I think someone pulled one over on Tony. He's stuck playing Gauntlet while everyone else is over on the Street Fighter 2 machine. And no one seemed to tell him. So best wishes with Tony Ferguson. And, uh, oh, Weekly Focus, we're going to run a little bit long. Sorry. <laughs> I answer this question. Defining a good striker. Um. All right. Um, 
Yeah, this I want to give uh this question here. All right. This came from Yosef at Yosef233 Yosef on Twitter. Um, he asked me, Dan, how do you define a good striker in MMA and how do you define a good striker? I'm confused because Shevchenko is considered arguably the best and Nunes isn't. Now, I'm not going to repeat your addition to that question as fact because obviously it's not fact. Um, I'm not doubting that you haven't heard that. I, I, In fact, I can see where people would say, even though Nunez beat Shevchenko, Shevchenko is the better striker. And I would warn people by like living and dying by that sword. And I'm like a Shevchenko fan. I'm a fan of her style folks, but like I'd be careful in like making those grand proclamations. Now, Valentina Shevchenko on the other hand is an easy out. If we want to talk about a good MMA striker, Um, that would be a good MMA striker. Of course, she's been doing it since she grew up because her mother was uh you know, something like a third or fourth Dan Taekwondo uh, fighter was on the was on the uh, Muay Thai like World Association for Kyrgyzstan. Like, so she grew up with both traditional and sport um, martial art kind of in her in her in her blood, and and had all the years of Muay Thai, etc., etc., etc. Right. So, yeah, not too crazy to say like that's a good striker uh, in MMA, but. What would be a good striker in general? Now, there's going to be plenty of people much better than me that are currently watching kickboxing. Um, like, dude, I've only seen, like, a handful of tension Nasakawa fights. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't pay attention to what's going on today just to kind of uh, – I will say the things that would make strikers good in K1 kickboxing or boxing, there are similar themes you do want to look for, um, whether you're analyzing or whether you're just trying to answer the question that you supposed to me. What is a good MMA striker? Um, basic things like footwork. Uh, again, it, it's hard for me to answer because, you know, people are like, what did you do? What are your qualifications to be an analyst? Well, I'm not good at anything, uh, any martial arts, but I've spent my entire life training, achieving ranks, and mainly getting this shit kicked out of me and utterly beat up uh, and humiliated in many martial arts, in many points of my life, in many places around the world. Um, those are honestly my best qualifications is getting the crap beat out of me. So it's really hard to, to sometimes explain these things. I have to remember that some people are asking these questions and or wanting answers uh, to these questions from their perspective. And you might not have done martial arts before. And that's totally fine. Uh, that doesn't make your opinions invalid um, by any means. I know that might be an unpopular thought, I guess, but uh, it's just my thought. Uh, everyone has something to bring to the table. If that's not too overly optimistic of me to say, um, so even if you haven't strike, uh, you know, uh, done striking or striking martial arts, there's certain things you can look for, like footwork. Are they crossing their feet? <laughs> are their feet too narrow? Are they too wide? Subsequently, are they out of balance when they are forced to move, whether offensively or defensively? Um, you don't always have to move a particular way in an open stance matchup, meaning a southpaw versus orthodox fighter, but. At the same time, I do want to see if someone has some outside foot awareness. You know, you don't always have to be beating the outside foot uh, of an open stance matchup. But if someone's consistently moving into the power side, well, that's a bit problematic. And I'm probably not going to consider them a good striker if I'm going through and watching their tape and they're continuing to start walking into the power side. Um, and other things like being able to use checks. Uh, my dude, my dude, how at uh, Dr. Hal Psych on Twitter, of course, how. Uh, has great impressions. He called it a long time. A check hook, you know, speaking of off balance, you, there's a certain amount of off balance you are going to be when you strike, especially when you strike hard, right? The more harder you throw, more off balance you're going to be. 
you know, there's things you can mitigate that again with proper footwork uh, for that balance and support. Uh, however, there are other strikes that can bring you back on balance. So example, you throw a jab, you throw a cross and you throw it hard. You're a bit off balance. You're a bit vulnerable to come back off balance. You got a check hook right there that brings you back on balance. Right. And also offer some offense. If someone's trying to follow you out of your exchange or to counter with you, it gives them something to think about. It's a block in the form of a strike. Uh, checking is just, it's fantastic. You can also check with a jab. There's check jabs, which is why a common thing, again, uh, I'm trying to back to the question, well, I'm trying to grade a, a good striker. Um, you'll hear people uh, mention this not often enough in MMA, but finishing a combination with their lead hand. Uh, so for most people, that's going to be their left hand because they're orthodox. So again, that's where the check jab will come in, right? One, two, check jab on the way out. One, one, two, check jab on the way out. One, two, three. And you can even add a check jab to step off and step out to an angle. Maybe you're doing it as you L step, right? You're making an L, a five hook KO. It's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. Eves Edwards versus Jeremy Stevens. I mean, Eves Edwards is one of the, you know, we talk about Shevchenko and it almost feels like cheating because of her background and she's in the most relevant, most advanced part of MMA. But you look at guys like Eve Edwards, like from back in the day, there's a reason why, like, analysts like myself, like, nerd out and we all have a respect for the Thug Jitsu Master. Um, is because of those slick southpaw stylings, man. And he is a guy that was a fan of throwing checks, uh, understanding balance, um, you know. Uh, and again, he, he still was on the – that didn't make him impervious. He was on the wrong end of a lot of memorable knockouts, Sam Stout, Mosfidal, uh, even Yancey Medeiros, which got overturned to a no contest. Um, but, man, you can't judge Eves off of those. You will watch the bulk of his career. And, he, again, context, folks, context – you can be like, oh, we're, screw you, history, man. Um, and Eves Edwards was one of the few guys that could probably call himself, you know, a good, you know, one of the you know first guys to maybe call himself a good striker as guys that came in from K1. And he had a rough start, right? He, uh, I mean, what? It was like over five years at least he was like sub 500, right? The UFC didn't even want to buy his contract at the time. There's that whole memorable story. But even Mark Hunt for struggling in MMA, for not being exactly – an athletic specimen as a specimen by looking at him, albeit he had deceptive athleticism and speed. Um, it was his technique and it was little things like speed changes. Again, kind of like I was talking about with grappling and it's not going out with anybody guard players or 10th planet, my 10th planet brothers and sisters or anything like that. But it's like, it's not like some crazy rubber guard submission that doesn't impress me as much as somebody who understands that if I lift this lever here, it's going to force their weight over there, which is going to make them post, which will open up this for me. Like people thinking in those layers um, and using very simple things. I mean, there's a reason why Damian Meyer runs the same series. There's a reason why Hicks and Gracie, you want to go back to the early guys, ran the same series to guys like I just said, Damian Meyer, more uh, newer, albeit he's an old guy of today, still more newer. Uh, there's a reason why. It's because not just the simple stuff works, not because fundamentals work. It's knowing the details of the fundamentals, the timing, knowing how to manipulate fundamentals, you know? Um and that same would apply, that same example that I gave for grappling would apply uh, to striking. Again, was Mark Hunt out there throwing spinning uh, wheel kicks? Granted, he got hit by one by JDS. Again, these strikers aren't impervious, folks. I'm not saying that. But what Mark Hunt did that kind of justified his high-level striking title and made him obviously one of MMA's high-level strikers, he would do simple things with the one, two, three, like variate the tempo and timing. He low, you know that false sense of security. I'm lazy, huh? I'm just gonna throw the jib here, throw it here. 
boom, and then it's 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 it's, it's a time change. Um, you know, traditional martial artists uh, do it, but a guy like Mark Hunt with Mark Hunt's palm finishing with the lead hand, checking, uh, understanding those things, and just basic footwork, um, not crossing the feet, doing things whether it's like variations of L steps, side steps, darts. Um, shifting you know striking really advances you know even extreme couture uh shout out to uh, my home gym there i'll be honest striking was has, has been one of the long things uh, and even till this day if you look at the gym on paper you'd be like okay well it doesn't really have uh you know world-class striker there or whatever like we had sean tompkins for a, a long part uh, of the early days who i recently talked about in the wec episode that was great having him around um, as well as, you know, uh, um, as well as some other people. We had Ron Frazier in the early days for boxing and those, those guys moved on. We had uh, Tim Lane, uh, who was, you know, um, some world champion kickboxing creds uh, worked with like boxers like Chris Algieri, um, who's, who's still there with extreme couture. Uh, so I'm not trying to disrespect, you know, any of these, any of the names that have been in and out again, we had Gil Martinez. I talked about a bit at the Bellator episode with Michael Chandler uh, for brief stints. Um, but as far as, you know, uh, minus maybe like, you know, Tim Lane and others, I forgive me guys. If I haven't, I haven't been to the gym in a while, <laughs> I'm forgetting. But the thing is, if you go to the gym now, you'll see that the striking level is still really advanced because what these guys like Dennis Davis and Eric Nixick were smart enough to do is they didn't just rely on their coaching or, uh, fighting experience in some case. Right. Um, or the depth of experience you have from that gym and everybody there, like all the experience is great. They went out and went through the paces of the Dwayne Ludwig. They have a relationship with Dwayne Ludwig and going through the, uh, that whole process of doing it, um, not cutting corn off from the amateurs to pros, uh, to even like general kickboxing classes. Like I'll watch these people drill and, most people are orthodox, but I'm seeing these people shift to southpaw and hit return combinations like second nature. I mean, this wasn't this wasn't something that was common, um, much less on high level MMA uh, over a decade ago, uh, much less the gyms. Right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, this is a long winded answer, Yusuf, and to those listening. But basically statements in general. But um, as far as defining good strikers, those are just some basic things to kind of get you on your way. If you know what you're looking at, you can look for if you want to quote unquote um define what makes a good striker but that's the crazy thing about today's game is all these chasms are being are being tightened up on just like defense right but that chasm is is, is getting smaller and smaller because people are learning how to wrestle just like people from the early ufcs after getting taxed by the gracies they're like okay we gotta, we gotta learn the submission defense stuff i mean people learn man so be careful with your blanket statements but as far as watching for a good striker that is one way. Sorry to run long, guys. Thank you for those who stuck with me and seeing that. Those of you who stuck it out, that was really cool. Um, I'll get you some uh, some more recs, some more shouts, and other things um, next week. Thanks to James Lynch for the Top 5 Bellator show last week. That was fun. going to be doing another Top 5 show this week, and I'll be doing Top 5s. I'm going to try to do at least one, two a month, even if uh, the fights go back to full clip. Uh, however... The only one I have scheduled is this Saturday. I don't know when the next one's going to be after that. But I'm going to have Ed Gallo uh, from the fight site. I'm gonna, we're going to do some, uh, of course, if you guys know Ed Gallo, we're going to do some wrestling talk. We're going to do top five wrestlers from the standing position. So there's going to be a two-part series. I'm going to have someone else from the fight site for the second part. By the way, shout out to thefightsite.com 
Um, great work over there. Uh, great young up and coming uh, analyst, uh, some journos, whatever they want to call themselves. They put prep and uh, they actually do the work. And you know, Dan Tom always appreciates that and just want to give them a shout. So join me for that top five. I'll be doing the official posts uh, tomorrow. Of course, you know you know how it works on this chat. I always give you guys a sneak peek for what's coming up. And uh, yeah, guys, stay healthy, wash your hands, and uh, always protect your necks.